Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. And here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Jody, how you doing? Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm doing well. Fantastic. Yeah, this has been a uh, a challenging week for our country, I think, and and you know we're we want to stick to the topic of financial dads here and and talk about what we talk about, but we just want to take a quick moment out to say that uh, uh, it acknowledge the fact that it's been a challenging week for the country, and and I personally hope that we're at a point where we start to see some change. Um, we accomplish a lot more through love than hate. Very cool, very cool. Yes, I I, I it was beautifully put, and and a good call out. Um... And I, I'm also looking at some of our, our notes. Are you contemplating the vacation, the annual? Well, well, yeah, speaking speaking of love, uh, it's no secret that uh, we have a lot of love for the state of Maine. Uh, and we were batting back and forth around what we're going to do this year. And we decided, and shifting back to the whole point of financial dads, we did put down the deposit on the Maine vacation house this year. So we're going to give it a shot. We're going we're gonna to head up to Maine in the month of August, so uh, we'll let you know how that goes. Oh, good for you. I just jotted a note down for myself. Maybe I have to do our annual trip to Vermont, maybe a modified version of it. But you might have me motivated now to uh, – I think things are opening up a little bit. It's feeling a little different. I'm not sure if it's truly different. I don't know if there's anything from a virus scientific perspective that's different between now and three weeks ago or a month ago. But the vibe is feeling a little – easier i'm not sure why but i might take your lead and and maybe look at booking our annual vermont trip and if i tell the kids that we're going to go to vermont again i think they'd be up for it so that would be a good way to kind of uh, uh, put a stamp on the weekend and have something to look forward to so i'll keep you posted yeah our our perspective was kind of like you know okay it's the beginning of june we got june july and august before whatever happens and happens in september right and so are we really going to spend three months sitting around the house just doing the same hamster wheel of things that we've been doing for the last three months? Or are we going to try something different? And, we, and, and with camps getting canceled this week, which they did uh, for our kids, uh, we just figured we had to do something here. And we can be uh, responsible enough in that, in that environment that we go to in Maine um, to keep the proper distance, to be careful, and all those other kind of things that, that we figured we're going to go for it. So that's what we're doing. Today's topic is an interesting one. We haven't done this before. Um, it's talking about um, family and personal finances and, and having kids, right? So I think that for for me, um, it's it's an interesting one because I, we, ne- we neglected to kind of talk about it. Okay, you're planning to have a baby. Baby's on the way. What do you do? So we're going to touch upon some of those topics today. So, But before we jump into the main topic, let's check out some of the news that we saw this week. <laughs> The first news story is on CNBC, and the headline is, Here's How to Make Your Money Work Harder for You in the Coronavirus Crash. So it's it's everything we've been talking about, Jody, and when I look at the highlights of the article, it, it, it says everything we've been touting, and that is, you know, it says count all your beans. So make sure you know what you owe. This comes down to the budget. Um, and it talks about got funds, which of course is the emergency fund, and making sure you have that disaster budget in place and know where your money is. And then there's this whole concept, they call it kiss outsourcing goodbye. So if you're home and you have more time, you should be uh, doing more of your own house cleaning, which we do. Um, We've never had someone come in to help clean the house. Um, 
with any regularity whatsoever. Ad hoc, once a year, we'd bring somebody in uh, for a weekend just to clean the place out. But most of the time, we do the heavy lift of all the house cleaning. The yard work, I leave to the professionals. I don't do any of that myself other than snow removal. Um, just because um, I just don't think I... I used to mow my own lawn when I was a kid. My father used to make me go mow the lawn. And it's just something I wasn't into. So <laughs> I'd rather have somebody do it and not have my neighbors look at me cross-eyed every three weeks when I cut the, the beast of a, of a forest that uh, would be out there if I was in charge of doing it. But then also the delivery services. So I think people are uh, feeling pressured around delivery service, but people can negate those and learn how to cook. So it talks about that in the article. Jody, what was your take on this article? Yeah, overall, I, I think that this was, came down to assessing what you have, uh, getting rid of what you don't need, uh, and just making sure that you're on top of every dollar you spend. And uh, the, the execution of that is different for every household. Um, uh, I think on the flip side of that is uh, having that written budget shows you what you can still afford to spend. Um, being in control of your your household budget uh, to me is the best form of financial power knowing what you've got coming in knowing what you're obligated to spend on the going outside and then knowing what's left over for optional purchases everything from something fun for the kids or a special you know eat out night to paul what you said like do i have to cut back on the landscaping bill i'm in the same boat i don't want to spend four hours of my sunday afternoons cutting my lawn I pay a guy $42 a week to come and cut the lawn in 15 minutes and it's finished. And it looks way better to do it anyway. <laughs> oh, absolutely. One of those, one I have of those a funny story areas, about that. Right? Can I jump in on a funny story yeah, about that? Yeah, go ahead. I was 15, 16. I was working at Rye Playland. This is how much I did not like to cut the lawn. So I was working a lot that summer with Will Powell, right? That's where I met Will. He was listening to the last podcast. Will, right? Go ahead. So I was. For a 15-year-old kid, I was doing pretty well. I was working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. The money per hour was pretty good, etc. And on Mondays, when Playland was closed, I would have to cut the lawn. And my father, God rest his soul, he was very big on you had to have straight lines when you're mowing the lawn. He wanted that that look, right, of, of it just being nice, those 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 aisles of, of the way the, the, the mower cuts the lawn. Yankee Stadium. And he, he would come home from work on Monday and he would berate me on how bad I cut the lawn, right? So finally, I'm like halfway during the summer, I got my paycheck and on a Sunday night or whatever or Saturday, I took out, you know, 40, 50 bucks and I put it on the table. I said, Dad, can we get someone to cut this lawn? Like, so I even, I knew the concept of outsourcing. When I was 15, and I literally said that. I said, I, we got to get someone else to do it because if you're not happy the way I'm doing let's get a pro in to cut this lawn. So he hires somebody, right? He takes me up on my offer. Um, and, 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 and full transparency, he didn't collect more money from me, but he, I guess he felt it was time, and I sent the message, and in his weird way, um, he got someone to come in and, and mow the lawns for us, right? Well, the first time this guy came and mowed the lawn, and when he finished, I looked out in the backyard and I started laughing because it was a crisscross. It looked like the guy who mowed was drunk, and it, there was lines all over the place and crossing paths. And I'm sitting there, and my mother's looking at me like, "What are you? What's going on?" I was like, "I'm just waiting for for Big Jerry to get home. Just waiting for him to get home. I wanted to take a look at what's out here, right?" And sure enough, it was. And he didn't say a word. 
to that landscaper, right? It was only me that he beat up verbally on the uh, on the on the on the on the precision cutting of the lawn. A professional did it. He didn't say boo. So I'm sorry, I interrupted with that story, but uh, that's, that's how good, much I did not want to cut story. the lawn. Now the big question is, Paul, did that guy come back a second time? He did, and my father lived with him. Although I have a funny story about that. We're really going off track. We we had a story where my father hired a painter to paint the garage door and the guy came and my father was very my buddy jd would say um oh what's the words i'm looking for he was like he was like the foreman right he's always looking and he's telling you how to do the job even though he's never done the job right my father was always like that so the guy came and he was painting the garage door he had the, the cloths out and he had the rollers and the paint and he's painting and he's painting and my father's coming out, oh, this, uh, the spot, he, this. The guy wasn't here an hour. The guy dropped the brush and said, Mister, I'm not working for you anymore. And he got in his car and he drove away and never came back. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's... Firing <laughs> it's the another... client. Sometimes it's got to happen. <laughs> so you asked if people come back. It depends. It depends how far my father used to push them. <laughs> the lawnmower guy, he let it go. The painting guy, he, he just would was watching him like like a hawk, right? And, um, you know, you know, kind of that, you know, lawn chair on, on, on the... Uh, uh, in the driveway kind of watching type of thing and the guy was just like i'm not doing this right not it's yeah. not worth any amount of money so i know we very we really digressed but i love my dad and uh we had our ups and downs but uh i think back on some of those stories it makes me laugh i th- i think we have i think we have a a letter to the editor in response to this article that we were talking about here <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah maybe we send them a, a link to the podcast that'd be kind of cool so <laughs> Well, we really went off topic there, so I'm going to pull us back in. And the next story is really in line with what we're talking about today, starting a family and your personal finances. So it's 12 budgeting tips for new parents. And we're going to dig into a lot of these today. Um, But uh, the highlights, right? And and it's by U.S. News and World Report. It's an older story, October 28, 2019, but some things never change. And a lot of the things, it's a long article, but it covers a lot of things that we want to talk about. Um, Understanding how much you want to save. Uh, They do sneak in like a a sponsored, speak to the right financial advisor for you. It's crazy how they're able to make it even look like it's part of the story. Um, Factor in nursing and feeding expenses, account for childcare, temporary loss of income, health insurance coverage, don't jump and buy a bigger car. Uh, register wisely for gifts, borrow, swap, and buy used, save on diapers and other daily essentials, use right financial tools, sign up for life insurance. So that's it. The podcast done. Everyone have a great uh, – so, Jody, what would you think of this? Uh, I think that it said it all, but we'll jump into those 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 topics. What did you think of this article? I thought it was pretty comprehensive. Great, great article, great segue into what we're going to talk about, and then we might as well go from this right into the podcast. Um, you know, I've I've often said jokingly – and in a self-deprecating way, because this was me too, uh, new parents are the most gullible consumers on the planet. You can, sti- <laughs> you can stick the word safety on any product, and a new parent will buy it. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, I have a bunch of old, un, un, I have a bunch of packaged, like still didn't take it out of the package, a bunch of the safety gear that's sitting in the garage somewhere. We just oh, never yes. got around to putting it up, but... You know, my current situation when it comes to this, of course, we've talked about this on past podcasts. I have two kids, and that's where 
we're stopping. So we have the two kids. It's been great, a boy and a girl, uh, 16 and, and nine at this point. I remember when we first started thinking about having kids and once we found out one was on the way, our world changed drastically, right? So I think I tried to do all the right things at the time, uh, getting life insurance in place, uh, drafting our wills and setting up our 529 plans, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. So you could go back in time and listen to some of those tips and trip, tricks and advice and mistakes that we made when it came to those types of things. Um, in addition, we, we made our condominium uh, that we had at the time work for the baby. And uh, my wife was able to take almost a full year off of maternity, which impacted our budget a bit, but, but we were braced for that reality. And we thought it was very important for her to take as much time as possible before she would have to go back to work. So um, I said a lot there. There was a lot going on. Uh, Jody, what was your, what's your, I know your current situation, you have your two kids. Can you elaborate a little bit more on your situation? Yeah, we got the two kids just like you, Paul. And the way I say it is the bedrooms are full and we are done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but I've told this story before. You know, the arrival of our first child, our son made me made me get a written budget together. Um, you sort of have that moment. Uh, and it's a wonderful moment. And, and every dad, let's just talk about the dads here for a moment. Um, you know, every dad has that moment where they look at that kid and that light switch flips. At least that's the way it was for me. Um, I, 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 I can say clearly that I was a different person in the three seconds from the moment I from the moment I saw that face. Bang! I just I just became a new person. Um, and your your priorities realigned. Your wiring gets completely redone. Um, it's just you're you're a brand new person. Um, but you know. You, then you get home and so you get into that rhythm and, and suddenly you start to see, oh, I got to get my act together here if you don't have it together already. Um, and so in getting that written budget together, I quickly realized that we were in major financial trouble. Um, you know, we had this giant house, which, of course, we bought before we had the kid because we had, you know, the two salaries and, and you know, lots of money flying around. And we're like, sure, let's buy a big house. Um, and when you start to add in the expense of that first child and then maybe even that second child, you have that uh oh moment, especially when you write down that budget and you realize that uh, at least we did that um, you can't afford that big house anymore. So we cut our expenses. We paid off lots of debt. We swore off un uh, unfunded expenses. And by that, I mean, if you don't have the cash coming in to cover the expenses, an unfunded expense means it's going to go on a credit card and you're going to have to pay for it later with interest. Um, it took several years for us to write our financial ship. Um, we had a second child along the way, our daughter. Now we're in a place, and I think this is eight or nine-ish years later, we have an airtight budget that we do not violate. Um, that Part of that budget is regular savings for kids, both long-term in the form of college and short-term in terms of funding things like back to school clothes and athletic, you know, uh, signups, you know, sports signups and camps and things like that. Um, but along that way, and it's a very long path, we've developed new habits and new ways of living. And I think that's the most important thing that you can do when you're a parent, um, just like your, your internal wiring gets switched, you know, that moment, the moment you see that face, like I said, you've got to rewire your financial habits as well to make sure, um, and this is the, the mom's and the dad's job, but here we are dads talking, 
Um, you've got to rewire your financial habits to make sure that your family is, is going to do well for the long haul. Um, and that's what we realized, you know, in the rearview mirror that what we needed to change our habits and how we live and what that costs. Um, and it is amazing looking back at how much money we spent on stuff that I can't even remember buying or I look back now and know we absolutely did not need that thing, but we bought it anyway. Um, and, and so if you can get your arms wrapped around that as quickly as possible, before you have kids, and even more so after, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, you triggered a lot of memories. Man, I'm looking back. It was a long road, and I forgot about one story that I had a trigger was, you know, I went through the same moment. Prior to my son being born, I was a big advocate of, you know, we're both going to go back to work. The kids are going to go into childcare, which wound up, which is what we did. But when my son was born, I did have that moment where I did talk to my wife and, and it was like a light switch. It switched. The, and I said, wow, you know, it kind of, you know, we're in this condo. We bought the condo at the right time, I'll say. We thought it was the top of the market, but it was, no near, it was nowhere near the top of the market at that time. And it was a two-bedroom, two-bath condo. And we used one bedroom as an office. And I had a conversation with, with my wife. And I said, well, maybe we can, you know, get rid of the furniture, the office furniture, turn it into his room. And we could just you know, get a couple of laptops and a printer in the corner of the bedroom and in our bedroom and be done, right? Maybe we just stay here and you don't have to go back to work. And um, we had a discussion on it. And, you know, at the end, um, she wanted to continue working, which was great. There's nothing, there's no right or wrong answer. Let's also put it that way. Um, when it comes to working outside the home or being a stay-at-home mom, there's all kinds of different ways to do it. We've talked about this in previous podcasts. There's a book out there called The Two Income Trap, um, which talks about this in depth, but there's no right or wrong, right? It's whatever you guys decide out there, right, in your own personal fi family. But we decided that my wife is going to continue to work. Um, I'm going to continue to work, and we're going to go through kind of the new, you know, the normal of nowadays, right? Not the 1950s where one parent stays home and takes care of the kids. And the uh, if you if you could do it, that's great. But we just weren't going to do it. So that meant that, and uh, we did not rush out and buy a new car to accommodate the baby but we did go and buy a new house <laughs> to accommodate the baby and the reason <laughs> why was my wife's commute and my commute it was too long from where we were to go back and forth it was just too long of a commute uh, so we needed to cut that commute down by at least half and that's what we did so we moved to lower westchester from upper westchester and bought the house so i'll never forget that that holiday that christmas we're at my in-laws at the dinner table and the baby um, was going through the childcare, like he just started childcare and he had snot bubbles coming out of his nose that were massive, right? Because <laughs> the kids pick up everything at the childcare, right? And I remember my mother-in-law sitting there and she's like, oh, it's too bad. She, you know, you're what, you know, Shelly can't stay home with the baby. And I just sort of got up and I said, listen, that, that offer was put on the table. It was rejected. And now we have this house and no one's stopping anything. Right. And, and not, you know, and when I look back at that moment, um, I thought that we were trapped, which we probably weren't. But in my mind, I was. And if I really look back on it, we probably could have sold the house again and bought another condo, right? Yes, you're going to 
there's transactional costs and stuff like that. But that's something to keep in mind that all these decisions are two-way door decisions. So whether you're upgrading, downgrading, upgrading, downgrading, whatever that is, yes, there's a cost to it. But none of it is like a prison sentence. None of it's a one-way door decision where you make the decision, now you're stuck for life. That's something to keep in mind, right? Because for us, we probably, if you turn back time, if Shelly decided to quit her job, let's say two years later, well, we would have probably sold the house and bought a smaller house, right? Or we would have bought, went back to a condo, right? Whatever would have made the most sense. Um, but for us, it, it was a two-way door decision. So... Um, I think with that, we'll jump into some of the topics for this week, right? So um, planning. So we touched upon that already. So Jody, what are your thoughts when it comes to planning um, and having that baby? So you just found out, hey, here's one, here's number number one or oh, better yet, okay, number two's on the way. What's the planning involved uh, from your, because I could give you my perspective. I'd love to hear your perspective on planning. Well, I think the first thing that you need to approach this with is is a sense of, uh, not jumping into any decisions, right? Um, and and let's take you know scenario number one, baby number one. Um, people's, I think generally people might be inclined to say, oh, we're having a baby, we need more space. You don't need more space. Babies stay wherever you put them. <laughs> so you don't need a bigger car, uh, except for maybe all the crap that you might have to bring with the baby. But you don't need like a bigger car because you're not going to pick up a soccer team for another 10 years. You don't need a gigantic house because the baby can sleep in the corner of your bedroom. You're fine in the apartment that you've got. You know, it's that kind of stuff. Don't jump into this this upsizing um, spree just because you've got this little teeny tiny baby coming into your into your world. Um, and f I would recommend, you know, with my own experience, focusing on that baby, focusing on the new family that you have. Um, you're going to spend plenty of money on other stuff. Don't jump into these big decisions like we got to get more space. We got to get more stuff. We got to get more. D hold on. Just cool the jets and figure out what you need one small step at a time. Yeah, I think for me and I'll kind of give a little more clarity. So. The decision, okay, the baby's born, we're going to move. We, we were actually planning you said on... It was different. You said it was different because it was a commute decision. Yeah, it was commute-driven. For us, it was yeah, commute-driven. So that would be whether you had a baby or not, right? That's a different type of a decision. Well, the, well, the, the, I'll tell you why. It, it was based on the baby because the idea was what if the daycare calls and there's an issue? Then you have to, you know, it's, you don't want to have an hour between you and your baby. Kind yeah, of thing. Fair enough. And, and fair that's enough. that was, you know, looking back, we could have probably that probably wasn't as critical looking back. But but once again, it's a new baby. Right. So you don't know. Right. Like you just don't know what you're doing to a degree. But for us, we had planned on moving closer when the new baby, you know, while while we were having the baby. Right. We were thinking about these things ahead of time. That was the other thing for my advice. Just as soon as you know, start planning. Start that plan, start that budget, start that checklist, whatever it is, baby furniture, life insurance, whatever that is, right? That's what I started to do. And we had those conversations early and often about, okay, we were looking for houses while she was pregnant, right? We just couldn't find one at the time. And we also knew that, um, so it wasn't a snap decision. Oh, baby's born, we're going to go. I don't want to make it sound like that. Um, but we continued with our plan because our plan was always just when my son was born, I said, well, maybe we, maybe you could stay home. But then it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't something that we, you know, we, we felt 
together was going to be the right choice. So we decided, you know, that we're going to continue with our plan to find a new house. And with that new house, uh, to your point, Jody, we did look at houses that were much bigger with a much bigger mortgage payment. And we didn't pull the trigger on those. We've talked about that in previous podcasts. So you don't need this big, big palatial, you know, uh, expense busting uh, mortgage payment every month on top of the new baby, right? So you have to make sure you're buying within your means and you're planning within your means. So that would be my my kind of advice uh, coming from a planning perspective. The next topic, we're going to shift gears a little bit, baby furniture shopping. I remember my story was our son came a week and a half early. The crib, the changing table, all those things were in boxes in our dining room. <laughs> they weren't even close to being assembled. And God bless my in-laws. They came to my rescue. Um, once the baby was born, they both came to the condo and helped me put together all the furniture, clean. My, my, my mother-in-law, she's the best. She brought her own cleaning supplies, brought her own vacuum. She didn't trust any of our equipment or any of our supplies. She brings her own stuff. And she this place, it smelled like a hospital room when we... <laughs> And that room was 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 put up. So we put the crib up. We put everything in place. We moved stuff around. We kept it as kind of an office slash baby's room, and it, and it worked out okay. So, um, but baby furniture shopping was interesting. Now it's probably way different. We actually had to go to the store. These things called stores, and we actually had to look at cribs and changing tables in a store. Uh, we didn't point and click at Amazon or at Walmart or at Babies R Us and or I'm not plugging those companies, just that's the norm nowadays is you go online, oh that looks pretty, send it. Oh, I don't like it, send it back. You know, it, it seems to be very interchangeable. But we had to go to the store and look at the furniture. And the one thing I guess recommendation wise for us was we looked for good quality furniture, not the top end and not the cheap cheap but something in the middle that was sturdy you kind of give you know kind of i liked going into the store and kind of touching the crib or touching the changing table make sure it didn't wobble right that it was sturdy sturdiness i guess that would be my basic <laughs> sturdiness and that ties the safety and you could buy baby furniture at a reasonable price you don't have to overdo it but you know the key things were the crib the changing table for us it was a rocking chair to go back and forth, which I think we got from my brother. So he gave that to us. Thanks, Dave. Um, and uh, one of those diaper genies. We had the off-brand one, but um, uh, it worked just the same, right? Uh, but so, Jody, what was, what's your take when it came to, to baby furniture? Um, of course, you're not going to buy something that's unsafe. So safety, number one, yes. I agree with you. The uh, Paul, you want something that's sturdy, something that's going to last um, the 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 crib, the baby set, if you will, that we bought, um, which was a crib. Uh, I think it was a small dresser and it was that, uh, that rocker, that chair, spend money on that chair, man. Cause you're going to be sitting in that chair, taking that, taking care of that baby for a year. That chair is going to be your best friend. So spend a little money on that chair. Um, um, but obviously I agree with you, you know, you don't have to buy super top end unless you can afford it in cash. You can buy something that's reasonable. We also bought something that lasted through two kids, right? Because don't forget, um, you know, uh, again, unless you can buy it in cash, you know, the baby doesn't know what color the, the bedroom set is. Only you do. So, you know, our son and our daughter both had a standard brown wood 
colored you know baby set it, it doesn't have to be white and it doesn't have to be pink and it doesn't have to be rainbow colored and, and you can paint that yourself if you want um, don't overspend on this stuff I guess is the point get what's gonna work for you um, and get what's gonna last especially if you're gonna go through a couple of kids uh, and you should go through a couple of kids I think with with baby furniture it should last that long that that you can you know you buy the one set and you can hand it along uh, as you need it um, the other thing I just want to touch on uh, it, when, when it comes down to things like shopping and buying, um, and this is where dads, we need to get a little strategic. Uh, and uh, and I uh, do not mean to be disrespectful here at all when I say this to the moms. Um, this is big stuff for the moms. This is really important for the moms. They want to feel like they're doing this right. And of course, we all want to do it right, right? Dads, this is where you need to take a step back. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you need to not die on the hill if you don't have to. Um, it's really important to let the, the moms, let your wives make the decision here. Um, it's your job to help figure it out, but you got to let them take the lead here because um, th this is this is where they're going to draw a lot of their initial mom identity from. And, and you got you got to let them have it. So and, and you can make the decision together. You know, it, it's not it's not like I said, it's not meant to be disrespectful to anybody. But you got to you got to let them take the lead here. Yeah, I know we're spending a lot of time on baby furniture, but you triggered a, a bunch of thoughts. And one was, yes, we picked uh, generic colors. Right. And we did pick furniture that would last. Um, and it's funny. Um, so my daughter, you know, we had a, a son. I had my, my, my son first, then my daughter. And even the toys were reusable right so my daughter found herself you know even though we we bought her dolls and and all kinds of girly stuff she would gravitate towards the older brother's old thomas the train and and gravitate towards uh different toys that he had whether they were hot wheels or trucks right so all this stuff is reusable those are some great call outs in terms of uh making sure that you um you know kind of keep the, the the colors neutral and uh, and buy stuff that will take you through one, two, or X number of kids that you have, um, which I think is 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 very important to kind of think about when you're when you're going through this whole process. I'll so, tell you one too. I just remembered. Not only did that baby, you know, that baby set, the crib, the dresser, and the chair. Not only did that work. The chair has been handed off to all the cousins. So there's six kids who have been raised in that rocker chair that we bought. Or maybe maybe it's not six, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. More than just our two, it's been handed off to cousins. You talk about um, value, right? Uh, and and the the crib and the the rest of the stuff, the dresser, and I, I think there was like a, a night table or some other kind of thing. We sold that. We it went through two kids, and then we even sold it on top of it, so we made some money back. So it lasted uh, five plus years. Um, and on top of that, we sold it and, it, and now some other kid is sleeping in it somewhere. So if you buy quality, you don't have to break the bank, but buy some quality, have it go through all your kids, and then sell it when you get to the end of the line. Yeah, you know, that's so funny you say that because we got the bassinet from from uh, Hey, Ken and Holly, Ken and Holly's family. <laughs> like we were going to go right? buy one and we were at a barbecue and Holly's mom was like, nope, I got it. Just uh Deirdre has it now. We're gonna get it back from her and give it to you. And it just, it, it just, and it, and we gave it back. And they probably gave it to somebody else. So um, that's probably a great point. Is kind of this whole passing the stuff around. You may have family members that have different pieces that are great and that you want to use. Um, the trick is, so it's not too old, but if it's very functional and it's safe, hey, 
it's worth picking it up, throwing it in the back of the hatchback or whatever you got to do or rent a pickup truck to go get it and pass this stuff around. I think we sold all our stuff too, Jody, and it was interesting. And on another note, when our second child was born, she came a little early. Same thing happened. The crib, changing table, all unassembled in the basement. My in-laws came again, saved the day, cleaned her room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and while baby was at the hospital doing okay with mom, we, we built her room out. So thanks again to my in-laws on that one. So um, the next one is, I guess, ties to it, right? Getting the house ready, um, which, you know, if part of it's furniture, I guess the rest of it is some of the safety stuff we talked about, the outlet covers and buying those different pieces and budgeting for those pieces. You don't have to go crazy, but we did have our share of baby gates and we did have our share of little outlet protectors. Um, these are all things you could do yourself. Nothing super complex or complicated. Stuff you could do with standard, you know, screwdriver. You might need a drill, uh, but a lot of this stuff assembles pretty quickly. Some of the stuff is a waste. I, I don't know if we actually use the toilet cover clip that we had. I don't think the baby was actually interested. Like you see those commercials right. where the That's kid goes what I in. That's talking about. Yeah, and, and that one I don't think we ever used. But like the outlet yeah. covers, it's the, the thing stuff on that's the bathroom dangerous. Call the door. Yeah. If the kid can't get into the bathroom, you don't need the toilet cover clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to get the stuff that you want to get the stuff that prevents danger, not the stuff that prevents humor. If you walk in and your kid's drinking out of the toilet, that's kind of funny, right? Now you throw it up on YouTube, right? Oh, it's funny, but you don't want to pick, you know, you don't want to have not have a gate there and he tumbles down the steps um, on you, right? So I think that's the kind of thing to keep in mind. Uh, Jody, what are your thoughts when it comes to getting the house ready? Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. And you're right. You know, there's, there's something else here. Um, This baby, you, you hit it there, Paul, this, this new, new person in your life, they're going to provide you with some of the biggest laughs and some of the greatest memories you will ever have in your life to the point where you will, your brain will just off shift memories that you thought were so important from before (laughs) to fill it with the memories that you're going to have with your kids. Um, This is another one of those places getting the house ready where dad, you need to take a backseat to mom. Mom wants to wrap the house in bubble wrap right? Nothing is going to harm her child. That's her, that's her instinct. That's in her DNA. Um, and dad is kind of like, eh, let him get hurt a little bit. He'll do it once. He'll never do it again. Toughen him up. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so you got it. You know, if she wants, if she wants the corner covers for the coffee table, get them. If she wants the outlet covers or the, you know, the, um, my wife's big thing was the straps behind every dresser. It was, it was, and you know what? You have to do it. You just got to do it. You just got to throttle down and be like, okay, that's what we're going to do. It's cool. Um, it's a small price to pay for peace in the house. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but, but in the same breath, in the same breath, you do have to take some of the safety stuff seriously. The gates, super important. You, if you have stairs in your house, you must have gates, period, end of story. Um, as soon as they get a little more mobile, you know, and they're, and they're, uh, they're trucking around on their hands and knees. You gotta you gotta clamp up those base cabinets. They can't get in those base cabinets unless there's nothing harmful in there. And even if there is something, you know, and and I mean, even something as 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 seemingly harmless as a pot lid might be harmful to a to a one year old who's trucking around, you know, uh, and and pulling pulling stuff out. That because they're gonna fling it, right? They're gonna they're gonna. It's not just gonna like come out of the come tumbling out of the cabinet. Maybe you know tap them in the foot. They're going to pick it up. They're going to throw it across the room. They're going to break a window. They're going <laughs> to break their own head. I mean, the stuff that can happen is just amazing. So, um, you know, be reasonable about all this stuff. Defer to your wife on all this stuff. 
um, and do what you think is is right and best. Yeah, that all makes sense. And I think I want to preface that between the baby furniture shopping, the preparation, the house, you could probably get away with a budget of one to two thousand. Maybe right. So when you when people think about the daunting expense, and you pointed it out earlier, Jody, it, it's probably not that crazy when it comes to those kind of material pieces, right? I think it's when you get into the the childcare and 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 the college savings and those types of things is where you know you start to you're really going to have to save and and kind of really plan ahead. But I think when you're buying the actual bits that you need for the house, probably two you know one to two thousand dollars will get you all the safety gear plus the uh, the crib and the changing table. Would you agree with that at this point? I, I think um, regardless of what it's what it costs, I think you don't have to buy it all in one shot. That's true. Um, yes. It's it's buy it according to what what the stage the kid is at, right? And like I said before, you know, when the baby come home from the hospital, the baby's staying wherever you put the baby. <laughs> the baby is not getting into the cabinets at at week you know at week eight. Yep. Right. So you don't have to buy locks for your cabinets right away. Yeah. You don't have to buy you don't even have to buy baby gates right away. You don't have to buy those things until they're at that stage or, you know, the week before they're going to be at that stage. Um, you know, because then when you once you put those things up, they're going to be up for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And <laughs> we I, had baby gates for years. Yeah, we took all and, ours down. Yeah, so yeah. but yeah. the point being, you know, you don't have to do this all in one shot. Do it according to where the baby is. Yeah, and some of these things are nice to have, right? You don't need a changing table, right? You could use the bed, you know. So uh, to your point, bassinet and, you know, as as budgets permit, crib. Uh, if you need, can get the changing table, that's great. If not, no problems. Um, you don't need a diaper genie. Garbage pail works fine. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do these. We never had a diaper genie. We always had a garbage can. Yeah. I, yeah. Did, I did not want that stuff hanging around in a house. I don't yeah. care what thing you're putting it in. I wanted it outside. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess on that note, we're going to shift gears to we'll talk a little bit about college savings. So for us, I wound up um, the first year he was born, opened up the 529 plan in my state, and I committed to a fixed amount going forward, which has worked for us. There have been some years where um, compensation wise, it's been a little lean for me. So I've had to make some adjustments there in terms of, okay, I couldn't hit that target every year i try to and try to sacrifice to hit that target and and but some years just wasn't able to do so but slow and steady wins the race so my my big recommendation here is um the year the baby's born open up the 529 plan put some amount of money in it to get it started and then plan to consistently add to it over time whatever that methodology is jody what's your take when it comes to college savings plans 100% 100% agreed. And nobody knows how much college is going to cost other than it's going to cost a lot. Um, and time is your friend, right? So you don't have to put, you know, name your price. You know, you don't have to put $1,000 a year in you know, or $10,000 a year in or a million dollars a year in. You got to put in what you can afford every single paycheck. I think that's the best thing you can do to start out. Uh, just get it open, get it started fund it at a very reasonable level right in the beginning have it build and build and build and build and then when you do run into those times where like hey you got a lot of money pop it in there um you know inevitably gifts come along from family and friends and you know monetary gifts take that money you know unless you need it to buy diapers or food or something like that for the kid um throw it into that account so 
So you have a fiduciary responsibility on, on behalf of your children to do the best you can with what you've got. Um, and that's, that's why I say use time as your friend. You know, if it's, if it's $20 a paycheck, fine, it's $20 a paycheck. Do the math over the course of 17 years. You'll have more than you would have if you hadn't put anything in there. Uh, or if you started three years after they went to college, before they went to college, um, time is your friend. Use time as your friend, and also recognize that you are in charge of this. No one else is going to do it for you. And if you can't do it, that's okay too. Do what you can. Yeah, I think we've done an episode on college savings, and we've done several on college savings. And and I think all those points you you talk about, I totally agree with. The two things I'm going to add are the frequency. We do it yearly. So we do lump sum yearly. Um, so it all depends whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, or yearly. Just make sure you hit those targets if you can. The second piece is now that my son is 16, I recently made an adjustment to take and move some of that money out of the more higher risk funds and put them into a lower risk fund, right? So I want to preserve the capital and preserve the savings that's in there because he's getting close to college age, right? One or two years away. So you want to be careful. So you have to kind of watch the plan from time to time. So that's my last bit of advice on college savings plans. Um, But listen back to some of our previous podcasts on that. And speaking of listening back, life insurance and wills. Term life, get a will. Term life, get a will. Term life, get a will. Uh, Jody, what's your take on life insurance and wills? That's it. Not much more to say. <laughs> you, need li- you need life insurance to take care of the people who, who you leave behind when you die. Um, you need a will to make sure that all that stuff is clear um, and, and clear, clear instructions for people for when you die. Uh, don't leave anybody in the lurch trying to make their own decisions on what they think you might have wanted. You're, you're absolutely right, Paul. Get life insurance. Get a will. Yep. And, and the next topic we'll touch upon is child care. And if you listen to last week's podcast with our special guest, Will Powell, Will will tell you that he paid, maybe it might be a world record, he paid 18 years of consistent child care every month. Um, so that was amazing to me because he's got four kids spaced apart just enough where he has child care <laughs> in his life for 18 years straight. And listen back in that podcast, and he'll tell you about that. Uh, so that's an interesting one. I could tell you that when, uh, both when my son's childcare ended, because our kids are a bit more spaced apart, and then when my daughter's childcare ended, the big number every month, um, it was a relief to a degree. And, and like I told the uh, administrator at the childcare uh, at the school that our kids went to, I'm really going to miss the school. I'm not going to miss the payment. So um, just be prepared that if both parents or a single parent, whatever, are working outside the home and you're going to have to get childcare, it is expensive. That's probably the biggest expenditure that you're going to have to worry about from years one through eight, maybe, right? Is making sure that you have the right level of child, at least one through five, and then there's, they start kindergarten and first grade, second grade, but that one through five, Childcare is going to be a big piece of that. So um, you're going to have to do your research. You're going to have to do your budgeting. And, and that's going to be a big, uh, a big gotcha, a big part of your financial picture. Jody, what's your take on childcare? Yep. Fully agreed. Be prepared uh, for what you're going to spend on childcare. Uh, if you're going to, if you're, if you're both going to go back to work right away, you need to start it from the get. 
if one's home, you still might need a degree of child care. And Paul, to your point, even when they get into kindergarten and first grade and they're at school all day, they're still before care and after care. So yep. you're still going to be spending And summer stuff. camps. Absolutely. I mean, we, we have, you know, two kids, however many years of child care that was. I definitely could have sent at least one of them to a very exclusive private college for what I spent <laughs> on childcare for the, for the two kids. Yeah, and maybe we'll elaborate on that topic in more depth. I'm not sure if we covered childcare as one of the topics, but maybe that's something we could do a podcast on in the future and really dig deep. Some of these topics we've dug deep into and others maybe we should take a look at digging deeper into uh, that as a result of today's podcast. Um, the last topic is budgeting. And, and Jody, I'm going to leave that to you because we've talked about this in the past. I, I loved your methodology. I love the way you take the approach to budgeting. You, you walk the walk and talk the talk. Um, I, I do my high level, like we've always said. I do it at the macro level. You do it more at the micro level. Um, give us a little bit of your insights as it comes to planning and budgeting for, you know, or budgeting for the new family. Well, I, I appreciate that, Paul, but I, I really, I did this out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> I did this out of total panic um, where I started to pay bills and there wasn't enough money left. I was like, uh-oh. And so I started putting it all, now I'm a little OCD, so I, you know, I put it all in a spreadsheet. Uh, and the spreadsheet got very complicated very fast, but the whole thing is, is that I got it all down on a piece of paper, you know, and you create the formulas and everything and you punch in a number and everything flows and you've got a similar spreadsheet, Paul. Yes. Um, you, you just got to get on top of it. However you do it, you just got to get on top of it because once you become a dad, you are responsible. Um, you know, you, you want it, you're responsible for the whole family, right? Um, and that's not to say that the mom isn't responsible. You are responsible. This is your deal. You raised your hand, stood up and volunteered for this. You've got to do this right. Or at the very least, you've got to do this to the best of your ability. We're all going to make mistakes. That's fine. People are going to fall down. They're going to get bumps and bruises and they're going to learn. And that's fine too. Um, but don't willingly wander into the middle of the highway asking to get hit. Um, and that's what you, you need to have a budget for. Um, all this stuff that we've just gone through, you can see how extraordinarily expensive having a child is. Um, it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. Uh, it's the best money you'll ever spend in your life. But if you, if you do it sort of naively, um, you're going to get, you're going to get tagged pretty hard. Uh, and the, and the problem with that is that everyone else is going to go down with you. So do not do not not have your act together when you get into this. Make sure you get it written down. Make sure you budget it. I like to budget every single paycheck, what's coming in, what's going out, where's the money flowing, what's coming down the pike, what's going to recur every month, what, ha what recurs every quarter. Um, you know, Break big payments into smaller ones as best you can. Um, reduce the amount of uh, surprise in your financial life as possible. And just like I said, get on top of it. Um, cause this is the best thing you're ever going to do. And so do it well. Very cool. Very cool. And I think with that, we'll jump into the summary recap. And I think you, you put a nice point to it. Planning and budgeting is key, at least in my opinion. So I'm going to kind of leave it short and sweet. Uh, Jody, what's your uh, summary from today? What's your takeaway or what's your recap? Yeah, I think I stole my own thunder. This is the, this is the greatest <laughs> thing you're ever going to do, right? This is the best thing we've ever done, Paul. I yes. I think I can speak for you. This is the best thing we've ever done. Um, and, and to do it well gives you even more satisfaction. 
do it in a way when you put your head down on the pillow at night, you go, yeah, okay, I did it. And there can be days that you totally screwed it up. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but take it, take it, take the bull by the horns, um, go get it, get your budget written down, get your financial future planned out, do the best job that you can. Um, to be the best dad that you can. I think that that would be where my summary recap ends up. Very cool and well put. So Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the financial dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you. <laughs>